Hello, and welcome to Disney Rewind, a Disney nostalgia podcast served with a glass of wine. We are your hosts, Adina Miller and Rachel Seedman. And in each episode, we break down a piece of Disney media and pair it perfectly with a glass of wine. Cheers. Hello. Hello, Adina. How are you today? I am fantastic. How are you doing, Rachel? I am also doing very, very well today, you know? I am very excited to talk about this movie that we have. I just feel good. I like, you know, I'm just in a good place right now. Me too. I am extremely excited to talk about our 12th movie. Crazy. Yes. Which is 101 Dalmatians. Yay. Adina, before we begin, I want to read a review that was left for us. Oh, Okay. I'm so excited. I love this review. It legit brought tears to my eyes. So it's from Apple Podcasts and their username, I believe, is JJ Hey, little heart. Love it. So cute. The title of this review is You've Got a Listener in Me. Aww. Right? This podcast is truly one of the best podcasts I have ever heard in my life. The witty banter, extensive research, wonderfully paired drinks, and pure love of Disney from this dynamic duo is truly incredible. Being a very new listener, I binged all 10 episodes within a matter of days. The only flaw was that there wasn't more to listen to with me craving more and more. Disney is such a bright spot of my life and many others, and these two have managed to come up with a clever way of capturing the spirit of Disney while pairing a fabulous, well-thought-out drink. I only wish they didn't live on the other side of the country so I could enjoy their company even more. They truly embodied the great Walt Disney quote of, if you can dream it, you can do it. Always remember that this whole thing was started by a mouse. You ladies are doing a fabulous job, and I can't wait for more episodes from you. Please keep up the spectacular work and know you'll always have a listener in me. And that's from Casey Jane in North Carolina. Aww, I'm gonna cry. I can't. Like, that's so sweet. It is honestly so incredible. And, like, Adina, we just started this because we wanted to have fun. We wanted to chat about Disney movies and drink. Like, we we just wanted this to be something that we could share our friendship and our love of Disney with other people. And, like, Casey Jane, I don't know you, but I want you to come out and visit sometime. We'll go to please, Disneyland. Please come out and visit us when Disneyland reopens. We'll yes. all go together. Um, I just, this makes me, my, my heart so happy. Like, like you said, Rachel, we just started this because we wanted something fun to do and there, you know, we wanted a, a cool way to connect with each other. And mm-hmm. now we have over 500 listens and we've been listened to in 14 states and seven countries in two months, which is actually insane. It's it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> mind blowing. And we, of course, We would do it if we had one listener. Even if we were our only listeners, we would still do this. But the the love that we've gotten and getting these reviews truly like I can't put words to how I felt when I saw that we had this review. I I started to cry. I just couldn't handle how happy that this is. So I'm I'm literally printing it out and framing it and putting it above my desk because I I, I I need to do the same. Yeah, I just need that smile every day. Oh my God, I'm going to start crying and we haven't even started drinking yet. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So 
Casey Jane, we truly love you. <laughs> Just if that's not creepy, I hope it's not creepy. <laughs> We're creepy. It's fine. <laughs> but like, but like the fun kind of creepy. Yeah, you know, the one yeah. with wine. Always. <laughs> But I I just wanted to share that. Let's go ahead. We can get into 101 Dalmatians now. But <laughs> what a nice way to start off. <laughs> I, I can't think of a better way. So it's amazing. So if you are listening to this episode the day that it is coming out, which is January 25th, 2021, then today is the 60th anniversary of the movie. Cheers, 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Uh, so it came out on January 25th, 1961. It was directed by Clyde Jeronimi, Hamilton Lusky, and Wolfgang Reitherman. And it was Disney's 17th animated feature film and the first one of the 1960s. I am going to be very interested in hearing about what summary you have to provide us today. Because personally speaking, that Disney Plus one was a little short. Look, it was short, but I will say it was pretty comprehensive. So that is the one that I have gone with. Okay. Per Disney Plus, Pongo and Perdita lead a heroic cast of animal characters on a dramatic quest to rescue their Dalmatian puppies from the villainous Cruella de Vil. I don't think anything is missing there, to be honest with you. I think it's a one sentence and done. Like, yeah, that's pretty one and done. I feel like they could have added a little bit of color, perhaps, but you know, add a little. Like what? 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 What would you have added? It's not really the story of Roger and Anita. It's oh, it's definitely story. not. It's the story of the dogs. You're right. You don't need much more. I just think that we've had some very like fanfare descriptions recently that are maybe a little too over the top. Agreed. So, so to see it as one sentence, I was just a little hmm, taken aback. I was as well, but I, like I said, I really think that it encompasses the movie without giving any spoilers away. That's true. That's true. That is our movie that we're going to be talking about. Rachel, what wine have you paired with this movie for us today? I'm very excited about this wine. So I know that when we did Fox and the Hound, you definitely did some searching on different types of wine. So I was a little nervous going into another animal related movie and being like, "Uh uh-oh, What am I going to find? And so I ended up stumbling across this wine. I don't remember what search terms led me to this, but eventually I got here and I am so satisfied with the wine that I have. Today, we are going to be drinking the Chateau Le Paz Pinot Noir. Now, the reason that I chose this, and you probably heard it in the title of Chateau Le Paz, it is a wine that donates a part of each sale to no-kill shelters. And on the label of every single bottle, they have a shelter dog and a little name of the shelter dog and a little bit more that I'll tell you in a little bit too. So we are doing a Pinot. We've done a Pinot at the very beginning of this podcast. I personally chose the Pinot though because of the shelter dog that is on the, the label. So I just want to make sure, do you have Mia on your label? I don't. I have Echo on my label. And this was something I was going to bring up with you. Please. Was I went to the store and I remembered seeing on the website that Echo on my bottle here was the featured dog. But when I went to the store, 
there were at least five different dogs that were still the Pinot Noir. And I was like, oh, I guess I should get the one that I see on the website, which was the one that Rachel sent me. But there were some other cute dogs. So I have like a little terrier, like a Jack Russell Terrier mix with maybe some like a schnauzer. I don't know. Echo is quite cute. Well, here's the thing. On the Chateau La Paz website, they do give a little bio about each of the dogs that is featured on their label. So I wrote down Mia's little bio, but I'm going to also pull up Echo's bio so that we can tell everybody about who is Mia and who is Echo. Who are we helping out? I've just poured myself a glass of this wine and it is, it's like, it's a very interesting red, like very red. Yes. It's, I would say like, there's not really much purple in this Mm -mm. wine. It's a very red, red red wine. I'm going to pour as well and we can drink and I will then give our descriptions. Let us say to the pups, cheers. Cheers to the pups today and always. Always. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know what I was really going to expect. And I'm, I'll be honest, I got this wine for the cause and for the labels. And you get to feel really good while drinking this because you get to be supporting no kill shelters across America. And that, my friend, is what really matters. I love supporting a good cause. You know, if I get drunk in the process, so be it. Exactly. Okay. So, let me read you the description of who is, who is Echo. Echo was rescued from a Midwest puppy mill in October of 2014. He was a bit nervous upon arrival, but warmed up quickly and loved to sit with his new friends and receive love and affection. He was adopted into his new home on November 9th, and you'll find him on our bottle of Pinot Noir. Aww. Isn't that adorable? That's Isn't that cute. So- So that's Echo on Adina's bottle. I have Mia on my bottle. And Mia is a uniquely gorgeous eight-week-old Catahoula leopard dog puppy rescued from a shelter in Tennessee. She was adopted on October 27th, 2014. So the reason that I picked mine with Mia, it's okay that we have different ones because we still have the cause. I'm showing Adina right now. She has spots. Aw, so cute. So let me read us the back of the bottle because it is not just about the dogs. It is also about the wine that we're drinking today. Indeed. So we, Chateau La Paz Wines, are crazy about two things. Our dogs who inspire and delight us every day and delicious wines which do the same. Our big bold Pinot is silky smooth and juicy with flavors of ripe cherries, strawberries, mocha, and caramel notes perfect for pairing with everyday meals or enjoying with your best friend. We proudly support no-kill shelters around the country and our labels feature a rotating cast of adorable shelter dogs to draw attention to this great cause. Say hi and join our cause at chateaulapaz.com. Oh, it's perfect for enjoying with your best friend. It's perfect for enjoying with your best friend. There's so much about this wine that just like inspires me to drink it. It makes me so happy. And I'm really excited because I got to do a lot of research on Pinot because we did Pinot all the way back on our very first episode, 12 episodes ago for Halloween Town. 
So we didn't really talk about what the wine was back then. We did not. Um, that was me. You know, we were just getting our, our bearings and I wanted to pick a wine that was from the region that the movie took place in, which was Oregon. So mm-hmm. accomplished that. But now that we have gotten now 12 episodes deep into this podcast, Rachel, I would love to learn more about Pinot Noirs. I learned so much about Pinot. And so Pinot is actually my favorite varietal of wine. I love Pinot. And so it was really fun for me to do a lot of research because to be honest, I didn't know a lot of these facts that I learned about Pinot. First things first, the word Pinot Noir comes from the French words for pine and black. And the reason that it's the word for pine is because it's of the tightly clustered pine cone shaped bunches of fruit. So they look kind of like a pine cone with how closely clustered the grapes actually are, which is where that name comes from. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Going along those exact same lines. Now, this one kind of blew my mind. Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, and Pinot Blanc are mutations of all of the same grape. So they're the same wine. Hmm. They're Or sorry, they're not the same. They're obviously different wines. They are the same, same grape. grape, just having a mutation. So they all have that Pinot because they all have that pine cone shaped cluster of fruit. And it's just a mutation of the actual grape itself, which I just thought was crazy. That is crazy and super interesting. Yeah. The other interesting things that I learned, so we always like to talk about what food is good with this. And as we saw on the bottle, you can kind of pair Pinots with everyday meals as long as your best friend is with you. Mm-hmm. However, if you really want to kind of enhance your flavors, going down the meat route of things that really work well with Pinot a lot of poultry. So duck and chicken are really great with Pinot as well as pork. And if you're a vegetarian, you don't eat those mushrooms. So if you're doing, let's say, a mushroom risotto, if you're doing something with some shiitake mushrooms, anything with the flavor of mushroom will be enhanced by drinking a Pinot with it. That makes sense because mushrooms are very meaty. Of, of mm-hmm. all the vegetables, they are one of the meatier ones. Definitely. Yeah. And a lot of times, not necessarily in the California Pinots, but in European Pinots, they do have more notes of mushrooms in those wines so that is kind of a common note that will happen not in california pinots but in european pinots two additional things the grapes the the pinot and again i'm just going to say the pinot grapes since all of those pinots are the same grape they're some of the oldest grapes in the entire world they go back to ancient roman times and because of this where there is Pinot that is grown, Chardonnay is also grown there because Chardonnay comes from a natural breeding and a natural crossing of Pinot Noir and let's see if I can pronounce this. Sorry, French speaking people. Uh, Gouet Blanc, uh, which is one of it's basically a nearly extinct variety of grape that Gouet Blanc and it is those two crossing created the Chardonnay grape. So wherever Pinot can be grown, Chardonnay can also be grown. That that one that I struggled to pronounce is also the, like the grape that middle-aged wine was made out of. So Ooh. that's how old that, that grape is. My final thing about Pinot, and I think it's really important for us on this podcast to call this out. And I realize we haven't called this out yet. Um, 
you know, there every day of the year is like a special day. So I looked up what day is Pinot Day. Oh. <laughs> get ready. Mark your calendars. August 18th is Pinot Noir Day. So get ready. Maybe you want to grab this wine. You want to grab a different wine. Up to you. Pick your poison. Literally. And then choose <laughs> and celebrate on August 18th. But that's my kind of little deep dive that I had on Pinot Noir. I really did pick this one, though, particularly because I just wanted to support the puppies. And little just like last thing, there's a video where they did a video of their photo shoot of all of the dogs. And Aww. it's like a minute and a half of just pure happiness of puppies getting played with and getting their pictures taken. So oh, I love that. Exactly. How can you not? Let's I like this wine. You just need to support the pops. Yeah, it's it's good. I I I'm enjoying it. It yeah. I it's definitely not my favorite that we've mm -hmm. had, but far from my least favorite. And what's nice about it is it's it's very light. This yes, is not, very. This is not heavy. This is not full body. This is this is just a very light wine to drink. Right. Like I'm thinking back to our Hercules episode where we had the Apothic Inferno. That was a big, bold, yeah. red, heavy-bodied red wine. This is not. This is very light, yeah. bright. I'm getting those berry notes in mm -hmm. there. So it's tasty and it's nice. supporting a good cause. So I can't complain. No. that's You know what? That's all that really matters. And Chateau La Paz has donated – over $100,000 to North Shore Animal League of America, which is a leader in the no-kill movement. So they really are putting their money where they're saying they're putting it and making sure that animals have happy, safe homes for their entire lives. Oh, I'm feeling all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Maybe that's the wine. Just it's kidding. Both. <laughs> Thank you for that deep dive. Also, I think we definitely need to add what day it is, <laughs> like yeah. calendar day. Yeah, I'm surprised with us as well. I know. So I, when I saw that, I was like, why haven't we done this for all of our other wines? So we'll create a calendar for you and we'll fill it in as we go along. We'll give you a reminder when the days come up. That we will. There will be alerts on social media. So be sure you follow <laughs> us there. <laughs> Uh, so let's get into some facts about this movie. Much like other movies that we've talked about in the past, this movie is based on a book written by Dodie Smith, The 101 Dalmatians, note the word the, not one at the mm -hmm. beginning, came out in 1956. And when Walt Disney read it just a year later, it immediately grabbed his attention and he promptly obtained the film rights for it. And Smith had always hoped that Disney would make it into a film. And honestly, I'm trying to think of that. Like, that was a quick timeline. Yes. Like, book came out in 56. Walt read in 57. Oh, give me those rights. Came out in 1961. Like, damn. Good for you, Dodie. That's super fast compared to, I mean, other things that we thought about, like Nightmare Before Christmas. That was like almost a decade that went by. Yep. Like, all of these other ones, that's been a, and like, that's the closest. Because Cinderella, that's a whole different Ball That's game. a different story, but I'm thinking like Fox and the Hound, that book came out in the 50s, yep. right? But that shouldn't have been made into a movie, whatever. But that movie didn't come out until 1980. So that's at least 25 years that it took from conception of the story to creation and release of the movie. So five years. Hey, Dodie had a great story. 
she did have a great story. There were some differences. Yes, there were. That I'm going to call out in her original story. Cruella actually had a husband and a cat. Yeah. Which, what? Mm -hmm. She is the most soulless, heartless person who would A, agree to marry her, B, give her a cat willingly. Well, her husband was somebody who made fur coats. That's how, like, they decided to, like, how she chose him as her husband is because you make fur coats. You are my husband. Now you live with me and you make your fur coats here. So I think it sounds like it was more of a domineering thing on her side and that he was just kind of going along because he was getting paid to make the fur coats, which is what his job was. (sighs) Okay, fine. Personally, I can't imagine anyone agreeing to marry this woman. No. Be it love, money, manipulation, just honestly. No. Anyway. No. Okay. I'm glad you agree. Also in the book, Roger is not a struggling composer who then makes his way by releasing the lovely song Cruella de Vil. He is a financial wizard who helps to wipe out Britain's national debt. I feel like that just would not translate to children. It's just, it's a strange concept. Yeah. Anyway, so those were like two of the most interesting and very different things that I found between the, Ooh, the, the difference between yes Rachel sorry. I have, yeah I have one that I thought was fascinating yes that um it's not Pongo and Purdy as a couple it is Pongo and Mrs are the yes. two Dalmatians and so Mrs is the one having and she does have 15 puppies and all of her pets of course the humans uh are worried that she can't feed and take care of all of all 15 so they go out searching for a canine wet nurse. Oh. Yes. And <laughs> Anita comes across a just Dalmatian in the middle of the road and it's pouring rain. And we find out later on that she just had babies. And so that's where we get uh, Purdy, Perdita. And that means lost in Italian. Her name means lost. Oh. So she comes in to be a wet nurse to a canine wet nurse, I guess, to help out with the baby puppies with Pongo and Mrs. Interesting. Right? The birth of these puppies did happen to Dodie Smith. Her Dalmatians had 15 puppies and one was born lifeless and then her husband was able to revive it. However, like a sane couple would, They sold most of the puppies instead of keeping all of them. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about keeping all the dogs. Like, I get it. They didn't want to give these puppies to Cruella, who obviously had terrible intentions. But that's 17 dogs in your house. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, honestly, circling back to our wine, that's how dogs end up in shelters. People take on dogs. Like, that's... To me, my biggest problem, people take on dogs. They're not prepared for the responsibilities of dog ownership, even if it is just one. Let's just make it easy and say it's one. And then they give up the dog. So this movie kind of sets up kind of a poor expectation for just kids and people watching it. I know that when I was a kid, my dream. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a secret, Adina. I told my parents that when I grow up, I'm not going to get married. I'm going to move into their house and I'm going to have a hundred cats. 
Fun fact, <laughs> that was my life goal. And still God. sounds pretty good. They have a great house. But I, I, it sets up this kind of expectation of like, I could take care of all of these puppies. Look at all of them. And so it just, that's my one issue. I'll talk about it more, of course, like you're saying. But them keeping 15, even in, in itself, is just, that's 17 dogs. You can't it's afford 17 dogs. I'll tell you no. right now. And Anita brings up the point, like, how are we going to feed for all of them? You're like, oh, we'll figure it out. Like, no. no. All right. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So let's yes. back it up Please. to the story and the writing of the story. Like we said, Walt loved the story, snatched up the rights, and then he assigned Bill Pete to write the story, which he did. And this marked the first time that a story for a Disney animated film was written by a single person which is crazy. Yeah. And good on Mr. Pete. In his autobiography, he mentions that he was tasked by Disney to write a detailed screenplay before storyboarding, which I think is super interesting mm -hmm. and definitely not the way that Disney does things now. No. So I, I don't quite know what the thought process behind that was. Hilariously, though, Pete never learned to use a typewriter so the initial draft of this screenplay is written by hand on large yellow legal tablets. No way. Yes. Oh, God, that's miserable. Right? Like, I handwrite all of my notes for this podcast, and by the end, I get a hand cramp. Like, I have some techniques, but, like, a whole movie? <laughs> I don't know how you handwrite all your notes. To, to be fair... Your handwriting is a lot prettier than mine, but I'm a typer. I've always been a typer. I'm a much faster typer than I am handwriter. But yeah, he hand wrote the first draft of the screenplay. Nuts. Wow, that's impressive. So as Pete was developing the story, he was working pretty closely with Dodie Smith, and he sent her some of his initial drawings, and she wrote back and said that she thought that Pete had actually improved her story and that the designs looked better than the illustrations in the book. And like, what a high compliment. That's amazing. I mean, we think back to what was it you wish when the author was just like, <laughs> they took some liberties that I don't agree with and aren't in line with my story. Whereas Dodie Smith is like, thank you. You took what was mine and I appreciate what you've done. That's such an amazing compliment to receive. What I'm getting is that Dodie Smith is a delightful human whom I would love to know. Absolutely. I mean, her husband started this whole thing by getting her a Dalmatian in 1934. Like, what a sweet person. Anyone who has, like, a dog and then writes a story because of their dog is A-OK -okay in my book, and I just want to hang out with them. Yes. Agreed. So, Rachel, you have said several times, I think in every single episode of this podcast, that whatever movie we're discussing is being the first for something is paving the way for some new technology, some new, like last week we talked about the new musical sequences. So this movie, 101 Dalmatians, was really a feat in terms of art animation. Yes. I'm going to back it up slightly. Just a couple years back to 1959, Sleeping Beauty is out. It really disappointed at the box office. That it did. Whoops. So there was talk about closing the entire animation department down at Disney Studios, which would be tragic. 
Which, let's just pause there, because let's remember that Cinderella just, like, revived the animation department, and then, like, not even a decade later, Sleeping Beauty comes out and it just tanks again. Like, oh, God, that's so hard. Uh, yeah, I would, I would say that Disney did not hit a consistency stride <laughs> until later on. Yeah. Because now, you know, even if a Disney movie flops, it's not really flopping. It, Let's be It's real. hard for a Disney movie to flop currently. It is. During the production of 101 Dalmatians, Walt Disney had said several times, you know, I think we, we have to stop this movie. It's too expensive. But, you know, he had a love towards the animation because that is what he built his company off of. So they decided to push forward. And they did so with the idea of Mr. Ub Iwerks. Yes, Ub yep. Iwerks. Yep. So he was in charge of special processes at the studio, and he had been experimenting with Xerox photography to aid in animation. Yes, guys, Xerox photography. Like when someone says, hey, can you Xerox a copy? That. Yep. Same thing. So by 1959... Ub had modified a Xerox camera to transfer drawings by animators directly into animation cells, eliminating the inking process entirely, thus saving time and money while still preserving the spontaneity of the penciled elements. Yeah. And crazy. It's crazy. And when you watch this movie, you can see that that xeroxing there are times when you can see sketches outside of the actual lines or see like an outline that was there mm -hmm. and to me and i i wrote about it a lot while watching the movie it adds a lot i actually really yes. like how it looks this almost sketchy this it feels very mm -hmm. authentic of a movie it feels like very intimate of an animated movie to see just kind of like sketchy looking outlines sometimes and i, I love that technique that they used I agree 100%. I loved the animation of this movie. And I will, I completely understand them wanting to go with the Xerox technique. Mm -hmm. Not just, not like money aside, let's just say that the, the studio had been doing fine. There's a lot of dogs who look exactly the same. Yep. So the benefits of this process was it was just, they could make one dog and then copy it and copy it and copy it. And they really don't have to make that many differences for the dogs in the background, right. especially. But they were able to complete the film for half of what it would have cost if they had to animate it by hand. And again, like you said, it has this beautiful touch to it, very old school. That's not what you said, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, basically the same. I said intimate, but you know. Intimate, thank you. I don't think that anything was lost. No. But... Walt Disney did. Yep. Yeah, he really disliked the look of this film and said it was losing the fantasy element of the animated films. I vehemently disagree. I so disagree. I'm so, I, like, I so, it makes it more fantasy the way that they kind of inked outside the lines in certain parts. Like, it just yes. feels very whimsical. And you get that whimsy especially in that opening sequence. Yes. We'll get to that. Yes. We will get to that. But no one received the brunt of the of Walt's dismay more than art director Ken Anderson, which, unfair. Ken, you did a great job. I'm giving you your props. Absolutely. It was his idea to come up with 
overlaying the cells of the line drawings over the painted backgrounds to match those Xerox cells for all the characters. And this technique was used for the next 20 years of Disney feature films, with the exception of just a couple. It wasn't until The Fox and the Hound that Disney fully returned to those painted backgrounds. Again, minus just one little exception, but this was Ken's baby. The art and the background, the detail, I think it's gorgeous. And it took a lot of work. Artists used over 800 gallons of special paint while they were producing the film's animation styles and backgrounds to paint a nice picture for you, Rachel. That would cover 15 football fields of paint. That's five tons. That is like, if you want to weight of how much 800 gallons is, that is five tons. Yeah, it's a lot. Yes. It's crazy. But yeah, I just, I want to give Ken his due. Walt eventually did tell Ken that he, he had been wrong. He had apologized and said, you know what? You did a good job. Um, Just a a few weeks before his death, I believe. Wow. Nice that Ken did get his, his due diligence from Walt before Walt's passing. But I think he did a beautiful job. I think the the art direction and animation on this movie is absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. And that I acknowledged in my own notes before I did my research how this movie looked and it made me like it more. So for Walt to not like it when it happened, it must have been so frustrating and so difficult for Ken to kind of go through all of that because honestly, it was the right choice as we find out later on. But for me, the just millennial watching it now oh my god i loved it i love that style that they did i loved it too so props to ken yeah again we like to give credit to our behind the scenes people here at disney rewind that we do i have another thing that again is the first that disney did please so in addition to this new technique of animation during the opening credits is the first time that character animation appeared during these credits. So character animation had never been in opening credits before until 101 Dalmatians. And you just think about that. The character animation, the whole bringing the, this to life was normally not included during these opening credits. And it stayed that way again for the next 20 years while they had those opening credits. They always now, after 101 Dalmatians, credited the character animators. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. The animation in the beginning showing how the animators were creating this movie, bringing it to life. Yes. They deserve that credit. Damn straight they deserve (laughs) that credit. Like, how have we gone to 17? 17. How have we gone through 17 animated movies? So that means 16 of them did not have character animation in the credits. Mind-blowing. Yeah, so I agree. There's, two, like, those two things are just so mind-boggling that... That was the first. And again, we've made it 16 movies and we hadn't credited. We've gone so far. And Walt's like, you need to cut costs. And then they figure out a way to cut costs. And Walt's like, that was terrible. Like, what do you want from the animators? 
So I'm glad I'm glad in both cases that we get that character animation animation credits and that Ken got his his true due because it's one thing for us on a podcast to say it years later. It's another thing for Ken to hear it from Walt himself. <laughs> exactly. So let's move slightly forward. We've talked about behind. Let's talk about the now and just some fun facts about the movie. Yes. Like we've said, Purdy gave birth to 15 puppies. Out of those 15, only six are named in this movie. Lucky, Rolly, my personal favorite, Patch, Penny, Pepper, and Freckles. Other incarnations, like the live action movie and the TV series, revealed an additional six names. Whizzer, Dipstick, Two-Tone, Cadpig, Fidget, and Jewel, which combined still leaves three puppies unnamed. Yeah. Should we name them now? Can we? Ooh, okay. Okay, hold on. This is dumb. Is nobody named Spots? I was just going to say Spots. <laughs> Why is nobody named Okay, okay. So Spots, that's one. Obviously. Oh, should we go with the puppies that are on our bottle? <gasps> yes. Okay. Spots, Echo. And Mia. And Mia. Perfect. The other <laughs> puppies are officially named, put it in Disney canon. It's it's there. <laughs> it is part of canon now that we have officially named all 15 of Purdy's puppies. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Rachel, back in episode nine, when uh, you were reading the description for The Great Mouse Detective, it touted it as a musical, which is very false. But in my fact digging, this movie and The Great Mouse Detective are the only two Disney animated non-musical feature films to have three songs. So there is some competing information. Again, I'm going to go with The Great Mouse Detective is definitely not a musical. Not a musical. This is also not a musical. Not there a musical. are songs. But yes, these are the only two animated movies that have three songs but are not full musicals. And I find that really interesting. I do too. Also, if we were like a real podcast with like full on like production team, I would totally make a not a musical that we can just like throw in when we're talking about movies that say they're musicals, but definitely aren't musicals. Just to make it clear. 101 Dalmatians, not a musical. I was going to say, where are you going with saying that we're not a real podcast? And then oh. I, like, I understood where you went. Yeah. No, we are very real. Okay. So last week... We talked about Cinderella and how there were live action models. The lovely Helene Stanley was the model for Cinderella. She was also the live action model for Anita, who is equally as lovely. Absolutely. This this woman really did pose and act out some very lovely parts for Disney. Yes. Sleeping Beauty as well. Yep. I'm sure that when we eventually get to that movie, we will talk about that as well. But just a fun little callback, Rachel, something to add to your little conspiracy board? Oh, I'm very excited. I also have something for my conspiracy board. Oh. We haven't really gotten to like where this string is going to go, but I know this string exists. We call out people who don't get credited all the time. Mm -hmm. And somebody who I would just love to call out. I really didn't do a lot of research on our voice actors because you do a lot for voice actors. And so I didn't, I didn't want to do too much on that. I do want to, however, get my little string and start connecting it over to Clarence Nash. 
Now, you've not heard the name Clarence Nash yet on this podcast, but you will, because Clarence Nash is the original voice of Donald Duck. That he is. He also is the voice actor who did all of the barks of all of the dogs in this movie. So that man was just barking up a storm. And I just absolutely love that there is one man in a voice (laughs) box just like bark, 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 making all of this noise for all of these dogs. It makes me so happy to know that they just brought Clarence in for a second. Look. We know Donald Duck's voice. It's very distinct. There is mm-hmm. nothing else like it. I'm not even going to attempt to do it Mm-mm. because I can't. But yeah, that he just came in. I'm picturing this. They're like, hey, man, can you come in just like for an hour and record different kinds of barks? I am going to pull a little string back, you know, since we are on top on the topic of our voice actors, Rachel. Do you remember the lovely Thurl Ravenscroft? Of course I remember Thurl Ravenscroft. For those of you that don't, go back and listen to our Pinocchio episode. Rachel gave him some shout outs. In this movie, he voices Captain, the horse who helps Pongo, Purdy, and the Colonel, which is super fun. I like that. So put another little string up there. I looked into just a couple of other voice actors who were prominent at the time. Perhaps we may not know them, but they were big at the time. So Australian actor Rod Taylor, who is the voice of Pongo, you may know him from his high-profile roles in The Birds and The Time Machine. Mm -hmm. He had extensive radio experience, and that's really what led him to be cast as Pongo. And I can totally hear that radio, that smooth voice. Oh, yeah. Pongo. Love it. Bill Lee is the voice of Roger, but just his singing voice. Mm-hmm. You may hear Bill's voice in 1965 in The Sound of Music as he is the singing voice for Captain Von Trapp. Ugh, I love that movie. But a hilarious tie-in is the speaking voice for Roger, Ben Wright, also makes an appearance in The Sound of Music as Harazeller. Mm-hmm. Yes. So... If anyone asks you, what do the movies 101 Dalmatians and The Sound of Music have in common? Now you know. And then my last little fact about our voice actors is that two of the voice actors in this film had previously been the narrators in other Disney animated movies. So Betty Lou Gerson, who is the voice of Cruella DeVille and Miss Birdwell, she did the opening narration of Cinderella, the last movie we discussed. How crazy is that? Break out the yarn. It's happening, people. (laughs) And then uh, Tom Conway, who did the voice of the Quizmaster and the Collie, did the opening narration in Peter Pan. Love it. Love love it so much. Uh, I just love that now that we've gotten past the initial movies where we're not giving our voice actors credit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're bringing back these voice actors and giving them different roles. So I love that. Me too. I have a fun, very fun fact. It's we're Ooh. gonna play. A, we're gonna play a game. Okay, fun game. The game's called Spot Count. Um, <laughs> and so I am going to ask you: Do you know how many spots Pongo has? I do. Pongo has seventy-two spots. That he does. And question number two: How many spots does Purdy have? 
Purdy only has 68 spots. That she does. And finally, our last question for our game show today. How many total spots are there in the entire movie, Adina? Okay. I get one shot at this. 6,469,952 spots. Survey says you are correct in your one shot. There are 6,469,952 spots. No wonder they needed 800 gallons of paint. (laughs) But also no wonder no one wanted to paint all of those individually. Yeah, get me that damn Xerox. Let's go. Seriously. (laughs) Nutso. Mm Mm-hmm. So my very last fact that I have was a fun little rabbit hole that got me here. Not a deep dive. Really not. A shallow dive, will you say? Not even. Not even? Okay. Not even. I was just very curious on what Percival Meathead, Founce Water, Fouse Water, whatever, (laughs) what his crime was. Thank you for doing that. Freaking curious because we know a lot of things that he didn't do and we know it's unusual, but we don't know what his crime is. However, it there is no crime. I did a lot of a lot of research, Reddit, Twitter, Wikipedia, Disney forums, everywhere. There's no crime that's ever been like there just isn't. It is a mystery. However, was he a real person? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, they just made up this crime, but they didn't actually make up a crime. It's not larceny. Nobody got hurt. He didn't, like, yeah, yeah, hurt any did. city property. It's all made up. Anyway, while doing this research, I found on an auction site an animation model sheet for the character of Meathead. <laughs> and on it, it was all the original sketches of the character that were then going to get presented to the directors, all of that. What I want to call out, because I just fingers crossed that this is applying to every single one of them. The title of this piece of paper written in like pencil, somebody wrote on it, that is 101 Dalmatians, Rough Suggestions, spelled R-U-F-F. <laughs> they, in their just sketches of characters titled them rough suggestions which i just hope extends to every single thing so when they have their first cut i hope it was the rough cut and when they have all of their sketches i hope they're the rough sketches spelled r-u-f-f but it was just such a cool thing that i found it was sold for 52 dollars back in 2013 this rough suggestion sketch page of meathead that makes me so happy i also i looked up whether What's My Crime was a real television show. It is was not. It, it was not, but gosh darn it, would I watch that. <laughs> I would love to start a petition. Let us know if you'd agree. I feel like this caters to all of the like murderinos in the world and all the true crime listeners. I would love a show called What's My Crime where I, we get panelists who get to guess their crime. And if the panelists get it, you get to go on your little vacation. Like how fun is that? I think that would be hilarious. I love that idea so, 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 so much. As do I. And with that, I think we can get into the movie. We certainly can. I loved this movie as a kid so much. My brother had his fourth birthday as 101 Dalmatians themed birthday. We have tons of pictures. My mom made cakes. We all wore ears. I had a 101 Dalmatians shirt. He had a shirt. Very adorable. This movie was a staple in the Seedman household. We would just 
watch it, rewind it, watch it, rewind it. We would just only play certain sections. We did not watch full movies ever. So watching it now as an adult, I, I haven't seen it since maybe I was six years old. When was the last time you saw this movie? Definitely single digits. Yeah. It had been a very long time. Like I've remembered the basic storyline. I've definitely more recently seen the live action version of definitely. 101 Dalmatians. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie. Starting with the most gorgeous opening sequence, I think, of any movie I've ever seen. It's so cool. It's so cool. They are showing you how they animated it. So starting with the like the hand drawings and then laying it over with the with the inking and then the color and ah it's it's beautiful. I read somebody who said and I think this is such a great description. They said the opening credits must be what having synesthesia feels like. And synesthesia for those of you who don't know is when you listen to music you see Sight. You see colors, you see shapes, you see different things. People have it for music. Some people have it for color, all of those different things. But when you listen to music, having a visual sensation while listening to music, and somebody said that watching these opening credits is what it feels like to have synesthesia, and I totally buy it. You just watch this jazz music and you watch this blob like change into something else and you see the shifting. It was so cool. Super, super cool. So again, I'm going to give my props to our lovely art director, Ken Anderson. Absolutely. So after we get through this scene, we are hearing a narrator, and we're not sure who it is. We think it's a human, and then we come to find out it is Pongo referring to Roger, his pet. Yes. And I love that. I love that they keep bringing that up throughout the movie, that the humans are the pets. I mean, let's be honest, though. Our dogs take care of us. A hundred percent of the time when you're having a bad day, your dog knows it and your dog will give you what you need. Your dog takes care of you. If you're being lazy, your dog will make you go on a walk. Like dogs take care of us. So of course we're their pets. Yeah. So actually five years ago today that this episode is coming out, I had knee surgery and I had to sleep on my couch for the first few nights because I couldn't get up the stairs. And my dog laid down beside me both nights, slept with me, would not leave my side because he knew something was wrong. He knew I was upset and he he stayed by me. Oh, I miss that dog. Yeah, I do too. He was a good boy. His name was Samson. He was a 115-pound Labradoodle. <laughs> I will share a photo of Sam. But anyway, so we are getting into the scene where Pongo is like, ugh, Roger and his his never-ending bachelordom, let's find him somebody. So he's looking out the window and seeing all of these dog owners who look exactly like the dogs. It's so funny. And all of them do come back later in the film. Yes, they do. I love. And then he lays eyes on Purdy. And he's that's like, it. Oh, that's the one. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we're going to miss them if we don't leave right now because it is not yet 5 o'clock. Also, is Roger, is Roger okay? Like Roger's Poor Roger, place, Roger does not seem okay in his he home. Is a perpetual bachelor. From what we hear from Pongo, it doesn't seem like there has been a lady friend in Roger's life. What we see from his apartment doesn't look like there's well, been a definitely. lady friend in his life. No, but perhaps there hasn't been a lady friend either in a while or ever. Yeah, we no also way. don't know how old Roger and Anita are. Mm -mm. I'm assuming our age. 
I younger? I think they could be older, and here's why. Okay. Because of the how their wedding goes. Which mm. we see it for a brief mm-hmm. second, but their wedding definitely makes me think that they're older. Okay. Yes, that they had the private ceremony. They had a private ceremony. Yeah. It's just okay. them and their dogs. I can't remember where I read this, but I, I believe that Bill Pete was uh, a little worried that the wedding scene was going to offend very religious people. So they he like very much downsized it because of the fact that the, the dogs are also showcased as getting married so that could also be a reason why it's not this big lavish wedding but who knows yeah so pongo is on a mission to find pretty dalmatian doggy and set up his owner and my goodness is the meat cute just it's so pure and lovely it absolutely is i mean the animation of pongo is really impressive it's very, very impressive how this dog just looks looks like 100% like a dog. Like, he has these facial features and he has these reactions to things. And he sees Purdy and Anita. And so he is going to try and, like, play. And he's going to do this little, like, roughhousing, take the hat and do all. Like, that's what dogs do. It feels, yes. again, I'm going to use the same word that I used earlier of this movie just feels very authentic. There yes. are parts of it that are very, like, out there in no way, no how would that happen. But the, like, core of this movie, the dogs, are so authentic to dogs. Yes. A hundred percent. It felt like I was watching dogs that just so happened to be able to speak to one another in human voices. Yeah. Yes. Totally. So they fall into the lake, fall in love, have the, the wedding scene. And you see in the stained glass that there are a bunch of hidden Mickeys. Oh, yeah. Which gorgeous. And I love it. Which I want to just do a little throwback. Please. We said last week we pointed out a hidden Mickey and we kind of asked ourselves, when was it the first hidden Mickey? I did some research on this. Oh. <laughs> there has been a hidden Mickey in every movie since Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. How did we miss that? <laughs> I don't know. But now we know. That every single Disney movie since Snow, including Snow White, not since Snow White, but up, like starting with Snow White all the way through has hidden Mickeys in it. So I wanted to circle back to that. I knew we were going to point out the hidden Mickeys because there's a million in this movie. Oh, there are so many hidden Mickeys. This movie is literally just hidden Mickeys. Like that's all this movie is. Yes. And I love it. We may have to go back to Snow White and Pinocchio and find those hidden Mickeys Mm -hmm. because we found two in Cinderella. Yeah. In this Again, there were a lot. It was like, where is the hidden Mickey not in this scene? (laughs) Oh, there's spots everywhere. In a scene that has spots, you have a hidden Mickey. Exactly. So we cut to they've been married for six months. Purdy is pregnant with the puppies. And then we first meet Cruella. And she pulls up in her Rolls Royce. Uh, and again, guys, I love watching with subtitles. Rachel, did you notice that when it said tires screeching, it was tires with a Y? I did notice that. I loved it. I Very British. Mm-hmm. Very fun. And it wasn't just this one time. It is throughout, throughout the, the entire movie. movie. I enjoyed it. And we are introduced to Cruella, the worst friend in the history of friends. Like, pushing aside that she's purely evil, 
She's the worst friend. She can only talk about herself. She's putting down her friend's husband, saying, what are you doing with this man? He's terrible. And she's a shit friend. Sorry. No, no, don't apologize. I, I It still is so hard for me to wrap my head and, like, move past the fact that she and Anita went, like, were our friends and went to school together. Right. Like, it, doesn't, it did not make sense to me. But I will say, I hate Cruella DeVille. But damn, that woman is a fashion icon. She's probably one of my favorite characters to meet at Disneyland because – Oh my god, she is so sassy. She made fun of my Asics shoes because, guys, when I'm walking around Disneyland for many miles, I dress for comfort and not for style, but Corella was not about that life. Or, but when she does compliment you, I will say you have no higher honor than Corella DeVille complimenting your outfit. It's just like, whoa. Ain't that the truth. Um, yes, she is a, a goddamn delight to yeah. meet at Disneyland. Absolutely. But if, if I was in this movie, horrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I will. We didn't we didn't throw it out, so we might as well throw it out. Contains tobacco depiction. So obviously Ooh. this. <laughs> How did we forget? <laughs> obviously this movie has lots of tobacco depictions. You know, Roger smokes a pipe the entire time. We find out that Cruella is there because she knows that Purdy is pregnant and she wants the puppies. We don't know why. My biggest takeaway from this particular scene is that it's okay to say idiot in a G-rated Disney movie, which I don't know why I find that fascinating, but I do. It's a good to, it's good to know where our limits are of what we're allowed to say, what we're not allowed to say. I I agree that I thought it was kind of weird that seems pretty harsh to have in a G-rated movie. I mean, it's not as strong as Jackass, but... No, nothing is. Cut to three weeks later, Purdy is giving birth to the puppies, and you see a very nervous Pongo and Roger in what what can only be described as a waiting room. I love this scene, but I also hate this scene. Why can't Roger be there while Purdy's giving birth? Like, he Because the movie came out in 1961. It took place in 1958. It's a dog. It, I know it's a dog. Roger I'm could just, be in there. I get Pongo not being in well, there. Well, they, ha- they don't want to crowd her. They already have Nanny, whom we have not spoken about, and Nanny, another goddamn delight. <laughs> love her. Love her. What a strong woman. Oh, we, need more, we need more nannies. We do need more nannies. So we have Nanny and Anita in there helping Purdy give birth to the puppies, calling out the number of puppies. They say 15, and then Nanny goes, oh, no, 14. We lost one. And then... Roger does like magic hand a la karate kid. That's the that's what I'm going to right here. Mm-hmm. And puppy number 15 comes to life magically. And he is named Lucky. And then Cruella shows up and they're like, well, I want to write you a check to buy all of them right now. And Roger puts his foot down and says, nope, we're keeping them all. Which, yikes, bro. <laughs> I mean, yikes, bro, but also like, in reality, he could have just been saying that and he could easily sure. find other homes for these dogs. Loving and- family yeah. homes. That's very fair. But the next scene we see is the whole Dalmatian family in front of the television. So clearly they've decided to keep all of the dogs. Again, not necessarily because generally when you have dogs that do give birth, they have to stay with their mom for quite some time to make sure that they are fed. They get all of that. They have the correct connection. So technically, 
they still could be within that, let's say, eight eight week time period that they have to still be with their mom. Like they're young dogs. They're still very young. They still get very hungry and they want their mom to feed them. Like it's not unheard of that they are still there. However, with that being said, two points. One, you said that Rolly is your favorite. Lucky is my favorite of all of them. Two, this scene would play again in the Seedman household with the canine crunchies and Thunderbolt and everything that's going on in this, on this TV was, I remember it's just like, we'd play that scene. We'd stop it. We'd play it again. It's so cute. The reason Rolly is my favorite is because I completely relate to him and that I am always hungry. So I get it. Like you just ate dinner. I'm still hungry. True. I mean, Lucky and I have our own because Lucky gets very cold. Lucky says my all-time favorite line in this whole movie. So I And I love TV. So me and Lucky are just like, we are one in the same. Look, I, I get it. I love Lucky. He's definitely my number two. Mm-hmm. But I got to give it to Rolly. We, so we see they've just been watching Thunderbolt. They've been watching Canine Crunchies and then Purdy – And Pongo are talking about how the puppies need to be able to go to bed so that the two of them can go on a W-A-L-K, which as someone who's owned a dog before, I know you can agree to this too, spelling out the word walk so that the little puppies don't know, except they of course knew what it meant. They said, can we come too? Of course they know. Of course. They've heard it enough. They can spell it now. Everybody does that with their dog. Like we in the Miller household shorten it to W Mm -hmm. even or dub. We're going to take Gurley on a dub. I'm like, all right, parents. (laughs) Okay. So then we cut to Jasper and Horace. Yes. Who are, I'm going to call them like Tweedledee and Tweedledum because. Perfect. They're fun. They wait for the Radcliffs to leave the house. So they knock on the door at the Radcliffe home pretending to be the electric company. Yes, I'm saying electric because yep. Uh Horace's briefcase says electric and then he put a little arrow and an r but he put that after the i, not before the i. So it's electric company. Mm-hmm. Obviously Nanny knows what's up. So they steal the puppies, which awful. Yeah. So we are hearing a woman voiceover as we are seeing newspaper headlines. So the first paper that pops up is the Reynolds News. We can clearly see the date, which is November 2nd, 1958. So the puppies, you're right. The puppies were born in October, so they were only a few weeks old at that point. Yes. Okay. We find out that it is Cruella doing the voiceover going, oh, no, 15 puppies stolen. Uh." And we see Cruella in her bedroom Mm -hmm. with her devil phone. I'm a big fan. It has like little claw feet. Oh, it's great. Very detailed. I love it. She's, you know, trying to act all cool like, oh, Anita, darling, I'm so sorry to hear about your puppies. And obviously Pongo and Purdy are extremely distraught and Pongo suggests that they contact the Twilight Park. Mm -hmm. And I love the sequence. And Rachel, did you know that Disney feature animation later adopted the Twilight Park as the name of their internal newsletter? 
I did. And it's amazing. I also like, so during this Twilight Bark, we get basically a barking Morse code. We don't necessarily know all of the things that are being said. We don't get some translation, which I actually really like how this is done, us the listener. But as you said earlier, we see a lot of the dogs that we saw at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So we see the little Afghan. We see the poodle. We see all of the dogs that we saw at the very beginning. In addition to dogs in the pound, dogs all over London, dogs across basically the outskirts of London. During this scene, though, when like we're zooming out of London, we get to see Lady and the Tramp. We do. (laughs) So cute. You just get this little like it made me think of in Frozen when you see Rapunzel and Eugene going in. Like it just was like this little nod. and It was done in the exact same way where you don't really see them, but you're zooming out and you're like, hey. I recognize those little faces right there. I just love a good Disney Easter egg. Absolutely. We mentioned it in our Great Mouse Detective episode. They have the Dumbo toy in the toy shop. Like, I love it. It's always in Pixar movies. That's like my favorite thing to spot. We are then introduced to some of our our new helpful characters. Mm-hmm. The colonel, the sergeant, and the captain. Of course. What war did these people serve in together? Like, what war were they all in in that they just are having these names and these ranks together? You don't want to know. Oh, that's true. (laughs) It was rough. So the captain gets word that there are 15 stolen puddles. JK, it's puppies. Mm -hmm. And they see that there's smoke coming from the, the old DeVille mill. Hell Hall. Hell Hall. That's why I was surprised that you could say idiot. You also can say hell hall and call it hell. Well, later on, they refer to it as the DeVille place. They do, but they call it hell hall also multiple times. Sorry, I've had quite a bit of this wine. So um, excuse my memory. We zoom into hell hall and we see Jasper drinking wine. So Rachel, take a drink. To Jasper? No, no, no. Just anytime we see someone drinking wine, we're going to drink on this podcast. Sure. I mean, I won't take an excuse to drink for nothing, so I'll drink. So we then see a lot of puppies. So Sergeant Tibbs has snuck in. Which, come on, give props to our cats, even in a dog movie. Props to Sergeant Tibbs. He is delightful. And he sees that there are a lot of puppies and he's like oh are are any of these are any of you stolen and they're like no we were bought from the pet store and then you see our 15 stolen puppies sitting by the television because of course then we get the ridiculous back and forth between Horace and Jasper they spot Sergeant Tibbs and make several jokes about eating a cat and they don't spot Sergeant Tibbs. While they're on the couch, Jasper reaches for his wine and grabs, instead of his wine bottle, Sergeant Tibbs. Right. Thank you. And goes to drink Sergeant Tibbs, who freaks out. Uh, understandably so. So they find Sergeant Tibbs spying on them, and Sergeant Tibbs gets the hell out of Dodge. And then reports back, though, what he finds. But within that whole disgusting they mention several ways to eat a cat and that's absolutely 100% not okay nope a lot of what's going on with the villains in this movie is not okay nothing is okay so cut 
to Purdy and Pongo running through the snow. They've gotten word that someone has spotted their babies. Mm-hmm. And so they make it to – oh, sorry. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Sergeant Tibbs and the captain are going to break all of the puppies out. I will say, hold on, before you get too far, oh. you 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 weren't jumping. Okay? I wasn't. You ju- were at the right. Oh no, you were right. at the right spot. <sighs> what happens is, so Sergeant Tibbs gets the hell out of Dodge, gets back to the captain and the colonel, who sends word back. So Pongo and Purdy hear from the Great Dane. Yes, that they they have found their their pups and they decide we're breaking out tonight. We're gonna go get them ourselves. So they go through snow they go through a river crossing they will stop at nothing to get to their dogs but during this the colonel the captain and sergeant hibbs lose sight sound of where purdy and pongo are they haven't heard from them through the twilight bark in quite some time so they decide screw it we're gonna go do it ourselves and go get these 99 puppies out of (laughs) hell house hell hall (laughs) thank you thank you for putting me correctly so as sergeant tibbs is rounding up all the puppies to sneak them through the door or excuse me the hole in the door this is where i can fully understand why they wanted to use the xerox technique because there are 99 of these puppies could you imagine hand drawing each and every one of them well no No. and also we find out what Cruella's intentions are. Cruella's intentions are that she wants to make coats out of these dogs and she wants Jasper and Horace to kill them and skin them tonight because the cops are onto her. I have questions. Question number one, Dalmatians are short hair dogs. You cannot make a coat out of a short hair dog. Okay, but why do you know that? I know that because I've had short hair dogs. You cannot. They are kind of like Dalmatians and other short hair dogs. Not that they're, they have coarse hair, but when you have a short hair dog compared to a long hair dog. shed. Well, it it sheds, but it's also, it's, it's stiffer. It's Mm. stiffer fur because it's so close to the skin as opposed to a long hair where you kind of have some like, again, it's flowing, it's long, it's luxurious, all of that. May I make a counterpoint? I would because if you really want to. No, 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 no. This is a terrible idea. I'm not disagreeing with that. But perhaps that's why she's going with puppies because puppy fur is generally like softer and I don't know. But she didn't want puppies because they, Jasper and Horace even say they're not old enough. They're not big enough. You're maybe going to get one coat out of all of them. She wanted like six coats or something like that out of all of these dogs. Yeah, that's why she this. has so many. I hate this. It's terrible. It's, it's bad. You know what? She just end up with Amos. Like the two of them deserve each other as terrible, <sighs> terrible people. So either way. Sergeant Tibbs is getting these 99 Xerox dogs out of the tiny hole and making sure that they're all there. As he's doing so, he realizes he's he's able to push Rolly through and th- while Rolly is struggling his cute little puppy butt to get through that hole, he realizes that the one and the only Lucky is still in front of the TV. Gosh darn it. Lucky. Oh, dang it, Lucky. <laughs> oh, come on. Get away from the TV for once. We can do this. 
So he he eventually, actually, while they're watching What's My Crime, they see Lucky who's standing up as he always does. They move Lucky and all of the puppies start to go. Unfortunately, it's the very end of What's My Crime and they turn to start, well, the show's over. Let's get a killing. So, <laughs> so horrible. I know, isn't it? They want to start killing and all of a sudden they realize the puppies are gone. They find the hole. They must have escaped through the hole. And insert now hilarious hijinks. Scooby-Doo style running away from the villain. They're going up the stairs. They're attacking. They're going back down. They're hiding. They're doing all these things. It very much was like a hijinks escape. But with Sergeant Tibbs at the lead, making sure that all 99 of these dogs stick with him the whole time. So cute. All hail Sergeant Tibbs damn straight he is a a noble hero yeah he is so pongo and purdy show up they are with the colonel and all of these puppies just start appearing they're like what how many of you appeared and they're like oh there's 99 of us and pongo and purdy like okay i guess we'll take all of you i guess it's fine we're going to take all of you to safety and then more hijinks ensue and they Mm -hmm. are running through the snow the puppies are then going onto the frozen river so that they do not leave tracks. Which Rolly sliding out onto the river when they're shining the light and he just rolls his little butt so that his tail doesn't get caught in the light yep. is so sweet. But yeah, they started leaving their tracks and they have this realization of they can just follow a 101 Dalmatian track. If it was only the 15, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. But not 101 dogs. That's a lot. Cruella, Jasper, and Horace are hot on their tails. And they are trying to just find a place to shelter from. Because as we know, this is November in England. And it's it's chilly. One could assume that it has now gone into December. I don't know. Because by the time this movie ends, it's Christmas. The timeline yeah. is weird. It is. But this, but it's it's snowy and cold. Maybe it's a cold. Polar vortex is happening in 1958. It's cold. <laughs> yes. You see these poor shivering pups trudging through the snow. And it is the saddest thing with Purdy at the lead and Pongo at the back. And it's the saddest thing. And then a little collie comes along and says, we have shelter for you just over there. And you're just like. Oh my goodness. Thank you. I have to though say what my favorite line is that Lucky says during this. So how (laughs) they're able to keep track of these 99 dogs, like you really have to salute uh, Purdy and Pongo. They have a great system. Purdy's at the front. Pongo is counting as they're going and he gets to 98 and realizes he's missing one. He looks back and he sees Lucky shivering on a little snowy hill. And Lucky says, I say this all the time. Accusist. And my tails froze, and my nose is froze, and my ears are froze, and my toes are froze. (laughs) Me too, Lucky. Me too. All the time. I'm so cold. And I always say my toes are cold, and my nose is cold. And I. But do you say your nose is froze? (laughs) I do say my nose is froze. I do say my nose is froze. My toes is froze. My ears is froze. But. Yeah, so we get the collie 
who thank goodness because this was a this was like a Donner party. I was watching them go up this like snowy hill and I was like, oh God. Clearly, if this was not a Disney movie, some of these puppies would have died. Sorry yeah. to say. But oh yeah. They make it into the barn where we meet the lovely cows who are Queenie, Duchess, and Princess, and all the little puppies are drinking cow milk. And is that okay? Can they do that? <laughs> yeah, I think they probably okay, can. Yeah, that's actually probably not the worst thing in the world. And then you just see all of these sleepy pups all around them. Yes. Ugh. But imagine being that farmer and coming in the morning to milk your cows and being like, hey, where the f- where's the milk? <laughs> oh, you wouldn't, you, you'd, you'd step over the 99 puppies. That's not the problem. It's yeah. where's the milk. That's the problem. I'm imagining that the dogs are gone in the morning. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> in this particular situation, the dogs are gone in the morning by the time the farmers come. Thank <laughs> you for clarifying because I think that would have been a little bit of a bigger issue. Oh, no. Oh, oh a puppy. I'll just step up. But where's the milk? <laughs> in Adina's version of events, the puppies are gone in the morning. They head out. On their next excursion, and the collie lets him know we have another person set up for you. Basically, they have this meal train set up in all of these different cities outside of London to help make sure that Pongo and Purdy have stopping points so that they and all of the puppies, everybody knows about them, and they every dog wants these puppies to be safe. So the collie sets them off on their next area, and as they're on their way, as they're starting to cross the road, they hear a car and Pongo's like, oh no. So Pongo kind of takes the lead. Purdy and a decent amount of the dogs have crossed the road and Pongo is rushing the rest of the dogs. And then knowing that they need to cover their tracks, picks up a branch and starts covering their tracks. And I mean, thank goodness he does. But at the same time, it wasn't enough because it is Corella Deville who sees the branch the paw prints on one side and the paw prints on the other, just because they're not in the middle of the road. She's she's smart and she figured out where they're going. <sighs> Again, she's a good one that like you love to hate. She's really smart. She kind of knows what's going on, but you got you got to hate her. You can't. Nobody likes Corella Deville except for her style. Mm-hmm. We're not love talking it. about her style, Rachel. We are talking about her personality and her morals, of which she has none. Passion 10, personality zero. (laughs) Correct. So they're going into town. She goes one way. Jasper and Horace go the other way. All of the Dalmatians are then taken in by a black lab who brings them into a little, I don't know, some kind of a place where there's a lot of soot, guys. (laughs) Basically, it's a shed that somebody also like has a fire burning in. Yes. And they are saying, okay, like, just wait here for a second, and then this truck is going to London and can take you home. So one of the puppies starts to roll in the soot, and they see that their entire coats are turning into this blackish color and making them look like labs. So Pongo's like, oh, everybody, go roll in the soot. And they're like, mom and dad are telling us to get dirty. (laughs) So cute. It's so cute, but also... Oh damn! Like, like I'm giving away a little bit, but can you imagine a nope. hundred and one nope. soot-covered nope. dogs nope. coming nope. into your nope. house? Nope, 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 nope. nope. 
Poor Nanny. Give her a raise after this. So they all roll in the soot and they hear that the truck is like starting to, you know, get going. They're, they're, they're getting it to fix. So in small packs, Pongo, the lab, and Purdy each bring over like 10 pups at a time mm-hmm. and put them onto the truck. Da, 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 da. Very cute. Yeah, so they they are needing to do this in order to make sure that they don't arouse suspicion with all three of our terrible villains that we have who are just prowling at this point. They know that these dogs are in this town, so they have to very, very sneakily get groups of 10 onto this truck. As Pongo is bringing over the last group, the snow on the rooftops is starting to melt and then drip down and the puppies are suddenly becoming clean and turning white and you're seeing their actual colors. And then is it Lucky? It's Lucky. who It's always Lucky. It's always Lucky. Lucky gets covered in snow, emerges and very clearly looks like a Dalmatian puppy. And that is how Cruella knows that, oh, These are the puppies I've been looking for. Fortunately, they are able to get all of the pups onto the truck. And then Cruella starts racing after this random truck with antiques. Which the truck driver calls her a crazy woman driver. And I hate it, but I also love it. But I hate it. I hate it, but also this is the one instance that I'm not going to get mad about it. Exactly. Like, he's right. She's a crazy woman driver. But the the way that they said it, you feel it as, like, women can't drive. So it, like, came off in a bad way. I, I don't disagree. No. But I will say... That Cruella's car has amazing suspension and can take a fucking beating. I mean, I don't know that it can. It does. I mean, it does, but at the end, it's completely and utterly destroyed. Just because it keeps going doesn't mean it actually can take it. Like, it it starts falling apart. It's ripping apart. She ends up, like, the whole, like hood is gone it's bare bones of a car that she's still manically driving to to try and get these puppies which though she still had sent her jasper and horace to also go this other route and because of her own plan it causes them to t-bone her and un get her out of the way of the antiques truck who's able to drive away and jasper horace and corella deville all completely get in this car accident at the end yeah but none of them die no they do not i was going to say at the very end none of them get a comeuppance and i know that there's additional 102 dalmatians and shit like that but like corolla deville gets general genuinely no punishment other than her car is destroyed which not enough comeuppance no she gets none nothing we end on a lovely note where the 101 Dalmatians come into the Radcliffe's home. We also, we find out that Roger's song, Cruella DeVille, has become a, a hit in the UK. Which, how? 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 What? It's been at least several weeks. Again. Oh, I don't mean that. I mean, just like legally. How are you allowed to have a song that just is utter slander? And that is what is your number one song is just the slander against Cruella. Yeah, she could definitely pull up a lawsuit. 
quite easily. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is bad. My bigger issue, though, also with this end scene, does Roger not understand how dog babies are made? Because he comes in and he turns to Pongo and he's like, look at all these dogs. There must be a hundred of them. Pongo, you rascal. How many like dogs do you think Pongo knocked up for this to happen, Roger? No. I didn't take it as that. I took it as like, oh, you you old dog taking in everybody. Maybe not. I'm going to go with your. Oh, I took it in that he thought that like Pongo was responsible for all of these dogs. Oh, which I... is just like, what? Anita goes, what are we going to do with all of them? And Roger goes, we're going to keep them all. We're going to have a Dalmatian plantation, which cute song, but very impractical, sir. But that is how our movie ends. Yes, they have a Dalmatian plantation. I love it. I loved this movie. It was cute. Again, there are a lot of things that are relatively impractical, but I I enjoyed it. The animation is is gorgeous. It's incredible. I loved it. It I'm going to go back to what I said. It felt authentic and it felt intimate watching this movie, seeing the animation of the dog, seeing the backgrounds even, like the whole thing. I I absolutely loved. And I want to just like give you props because so far our 2021 movies are just hitting it out of the park. And I am enjoying every second of these movies. Me too. So I would like to thank you, Rachel, for picking this wine, by the way. I think it was it was fun. And I couldn't have imagined a better pairing for this particular movie. We needed something with a puppy on it. <laughs> we need puppies. We need to be able to have a good cause for puppies to make sure that puppies all have a good life. And you know what? It's good because you feel good while drinking it. And that's all that matters. I did feel good while drinking it. And now my head is is light and fun. <laughs> no, this was super fun. I think it was a good pairing. And Rachel, what movie are we going to be uh, discussing next? So for our next movie, I kind of took some time to think about this. And Adina, you and I are both Jewish. We both have been bat mitzvahed. So 13 is kind of a big, important number for you know, being Jewish, getting, becoming becoming an adult. So I needed to kind of take that into consideration. And with that, I am choosing a little bit more of an adult movie. Okay. We are going to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Ooh. Which I used to watch this movie so much with my dad. Me and my dad will watch this movie all the time. I love this movie so so much so i'm very excited since this is our like we're gonna be an adult as a podcast we're gonna watch a little bit more of an adult movie okay i am very into this idea and love the reasoning behind it i will get my brain noodling on some wines but yeah this was super fun and uh let's end this episode with a big and hearty cheers Cheers to the puppies. To the puppies. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us online at DisneyRewind.com. That is D-I-S-N-E-Y-R-E-W-I-N-E-D.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at DisneyRewind. You can also listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
And finally, you can send us an email at DisneyRewind at gmail.com. Again, that's DisneyRewind, D-I-S-N-E-Y-R-E-W-I-N-E-D at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>